Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hello, and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. The main focus of the show is to highlight and showcase the stories of minority women in STEM. It is my belief that if we want to encourage minority girls to pursue STEM careers, they should first hear and learn from those who have lived those stories. It is my job to provide a safe environment for them to do so. So let's welcome this beautiful and vivacious woman in STEM to our show. Hello and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos. I'm really excited about our guest today. Hi, Octavia, how are you? I'm well, how are you? You know, it's, it's a day. <laughs> as we are trudging through this pandemic. So um, I'm super excited about um, your story and our conversation today. So as we do with every show and every guest, um, please tell us your STEM story. Yeah, of course. And thank you so much for having me. Um, my STEM story, I think, probably started when I was very young, probably around maybe five or six um my brother and my um me and my brother we were considered kind of like mischievous little kids that you know everyone in the church thought were really 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 sweet but then we went home and we like tore apart things and built things with it Mm -hmm. um that things that were pretty much pretty expensive um i remember building a uh a toy car out of the fan from my mom's um blow dryer and some legos with rubber bands and so the problem is when you build something like that when you're five years old you realize because all the all the car needed was something make it go so we took took apart the fan right Mm -hmm. the problem is we didn't know how to put it back and so so, you know it, it it became a uh a moment that i probably never forgot just because of the punishment that came about <laughs> to part my mom's fan. Um, also, I remember, I remember listening to, I think I know, knew that I can cold or knew I had some type of gift very on, very early on, because I remember, uh, I don't know if you guys had it, but um, everyone had their own phone numbers at some point. So you can have two lines yeah. in your house because it was before cell phones. Mm-hmm. So if you had a, if you had a personal phone and then you know maybe another adult lived in the house, you would nec- you would literally have two landline numbers that was connected to different jacks. Yes. So my mother wanted her own phone and that was separate from our phone, the house phone. And so she would refuse to tell us her number. So what we did <laughs> We used to put our, my brother, my brother is uh, 13 months apart from me. We put our ear to the floor 
and we would listen to the Dow tones. Wow. And based on the Dow tones, we actually figured out my mother's number. Wow. And so she was very upset um, when we figured it out, but she also realized that there was something deeper in us, um, in the in the in the mischievousness, right? There was something deeper in us that maybe she needed to cultivate a little bit more. So that. you know, fast forward a little, I still did not know anything about technology. You know, I would um, I would I remember AOL and being in high school. And every time the phone rang, I would get kicked off of the internet. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it took forever to get on the internet. And my mother's a pastor, so, you know, the phone would be ringing all the time. And so um, I just remember always trying to figure out a way where I would not get interrupted by whatever she had going on. Because I was a, I was a straight-A student as well. And so... Um, trying to trying to figure that part out. Everybody will always ask me to fix their computers um, or figure out how you know they had a virus on their computer. I literally had no idea what I was doing, but I, I somehow figured it out every time. Wow! Just because they thought that I could do it, and I didn't want to tell them that I couldn't. But so I, <laughs> <it out. laughs> I was like, "Oh, you think I, I'm great? Sure, I'll be great for you." Uh, <laughs> so I will always just figure out how to do it. And so um, in, in doing that, I still, you know, thought that I needed to be an attorney. Like I went to school, I didn't think anything. I was like, I'm going to go into politics. Um, uh, there was a, there was, you know, there weren't a lot of African-Americans in politics at the point when I went, when I was graduating from high school, but there was some. And the Congressional Black Caucus, caucus was all over the place, right? Everybody was talking about the Congressional Black Caucus. You had Maxine Waters. You mm -hmm. had, you know, you had uh, John Lewis. And everyone was just like, oh, like, oh, I want to be a politician. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a politician because we need more Black people up being a politician. It's going to be awesome going into politics. So, you know, that's how I got into Spelman because of my enthusiasm for going into politics. Um, <laughs> Set through the first semester of political. So went to school on a political science scholarship to Spelman wow. College. Okay. Um, and uh, first semester of going through political science courses, I fell asleep. Bored out of my mind. I mean, bored out of my mind. It just was something. It was, I, I studied Western humanities, and I thought that it was going to be more of that type of Thing of really yeah. studying humanities and culture and how to affect that. Yeah, politics isn't about that at all. So, <laughs> so um, I, I decided my second semester, I was going to go ahead and sign up for Computer Science 101. Because it was like, if I'm going to be bored to death um doing this political science stuff the least i can do is try to get in front of like and and build a website or something like let me go right. do, let me go do that right um and if i can figure out that then maybe you know this semester won't be so bad so went to uh computer science 101 i had a professor by the name of aretta Kiris. um and she we built our first website i think like the second week of, of class and it oh, took wow. me five minutes Took me five minutes to finish my website. 
while everyone else was struggling. And this was not this was not the websites that they do now. This is not uh, what is it Wix, Wix or this mm -hmm. was literally I'm coding HTML tags, mm -hmm. right? Colors like figuring it out doing wow. job. Um, and she she came to me after everyone else was struggling. So after you know I finished my website, I went around and tried to help my classmates. And she came to me and she was like, little miss, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm done. And she was like, well, what do you mean you're done? I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm finished the website. So, you know, it looked like she was having problems. So I went over there and I helped her. And, um, and then she, I'm going to help her next because she doesn't know how to change her colors. And she, was, and she looked at me and she was like, what is your major? And I was like, my manager's computer, because everyone in that class was not a computer science. Nobody, that was, that was one of those, you have to take this class. Mm -hmm. Like, it taught you Excel and how to do Word and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, she said, what's your major? And I said, my major's political science. And she, the way she laughed in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Made a lasting impression, huh? Yeah, just the mm -hmm. way she laughed. It wasn't a normally like, oh, that's cute. It was, ah! like all out laughed in my face and then she went in the hallway and called another professor in to look at my website and then for that professor to ask me what my major was <laughs> and so after you know after the class i asked you know she said you need to stay after class we need to talk to you and so when 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 during that conversation i was like i can't change my major you don't understand my mother sent me to Spelman to be a political science major so I could be an attorney. That's why she sent me here. I cannot tell my mother that I'm not going to be an attorney after only being here for two months. Like my, that's not going to fly in my house. Right. So um, that's, you know, I'm not going to change my major. So she convinced me to change and to add on a minor as a political science and a major with a computer science minor. Mm. So that that was a compromise. Um, the the third semester, I did all computer science courses, and decided that I was going to change my major to computer science and minor in political science because you could still go to law school without a political science. Right. Degree. So you worked it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't done. So because <laughs> <laughs> I still had to speak those political science <clears throat> courses. I think by the time I hit my second, like my second semester of my sophomore year, I had enough guts to actually tell my mother that I was no longer going to be an attorney mm. and that I don't think that political science is for me. Um, and that I didn't think that it was prudent for me to waste her money um, paying for a degree that I wasn't going to use. Correct. I get that. Totally. What yeah, did she totally. say, though? She was confused. Um, she, 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 you know, my entire life, she thought that I was going to be an attorney. Right. Um, she didn't like the fact that I was changing my major, but she said, fine. I, she didn't know anything about computer science. And she said, you know, I don't know what this computer science thing is, but, um, sure, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll go with it. So, um, so she let me, she let me change my major and I changed my major and I never looked back. I never considered anything else. I wasn't in conflict. It was literally, this is what I want to do. This is a good thing. Hold on. I'm going to have to edit this out.
Okay, so sorry. No, hold on, because I'm going to close my door because I'm afraid that that's going to happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. So once you, so you graduated with, um, so, so you did away with the minor totally. I did away with the minor until I found out that all I had to do is take a foundations in computer science course to get a minor in mathematics. Mm. So I have a computer science major with a minor in mathematics. Nice. That's, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. So what was your first job like after you graduated? Yeah, that's the, my first job was awesome. Actually, I went to Freddie Mac on a rotational program. Mm -hmm. um, Freddie Mac at the time, um, I think they were trying to ramp up their minority um, interns. Mm -hmm. And so they literally came to Spelman with a very targeted, um, a very targeted approach to get African-American women onto and more african-american men into the company so i remember interviewing so my so when i so while i was at spelman my major i mean my, my research was in multimedia um database bioinformatics wow so i partnered with the with the biography um, biology department and computer science and we actually were on trying to figure out how we actually do um, 3D modeling mm -hmm. with blobs within, you know, and having those blobs within databases and how you actually um, actually present that. And we we use Facebook as a model to actually grab the blobs and stuff like that because at that time Facebook was like something that was very new as well. Right. So, um, so going into my first interview with Freddie Mac. Uh, there was a man by the name of Roy Myatt. He just retired um, from Freddie Mac, but he, I would never forget him. I interviewed and he, he asked me what I wanted to do after I graduated from college. Mm -hmm. And I told him I wanted to be a database administrator. And he chuckled. Um, wow. And he, he said, you want to be a what again? I was like a database administrator. My, my, my research is in multimedia database bioinformatics. I think I'm really good at it. I love building database and schemas and I love doing this. Um, so I really want to do database administration. And he said, absolutely not. I will not allow, he was like, I like you and I really want you to come to Freddie Mac, but I will not allow you to come here and be a database administrator. Why? And so, yeah, because, because he said that I had too much personality and I had too much to offer and I, I don't really understand. He, he told me, you don't understand what it is to be a database administrator at a corporation. Hmm. So I'm not going to allow you to do that. So what he did allow, I, I got upset with him. because I was like, you don't know me. This is not okay. Um, you're, you're playing with my career and I should be the, you know, the master of my career. Because that's what they told us to say. Right. Of course. The master of my own universe. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is, I make the decisions. I say when. Um, <laughs> so uh, he put me through a rotational program that actually took us six weeks through the database administration track. Um, I hated it. Mm. It was literally pushing the execute button all the time at a certain time. Um, and everything was automated. So you really weren't, wasn't building anything from scratch. So when I finished that rotational program, I ended up doing um, voiceover IP 
ended up in networking, doing voiceover IP, because that's the only rotation that I actually felt like I was doing something with. So we went through um, application support, um, QA, database administration, and then voiceover IP. And I was like, I, I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> this is it. This is I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this voiceover stuff. You know, we were at the time we were moving from analog to, uh, to VoIP. Mm -hmm. And so it was something interesting because with voiceover IP, you had to think about different concerns and different, how do you, how do you actually secure it where you're not getting interference and you're not, um, and you're not having, uh, people being able to tap into that voice line. Um, because everything was so new. So I worked on all the access control lists for the entire voice system at Freddie Mac. That was that project they said was a was a uh, a 12 month project. I finished it in six months and did not I mean I was a I was a I mean I just graduated from college. Literally this is what I did. Right. And um talked to the uh the manager of the team at the time her name was babs the doy and she and she said so now what what are you gonna do i was like i don't know maybe i'll go to school i don't know she was like i mean what are you gonna do at work she was like you're not i don't have any more work for you it's like so what do you want to do you tell me what you want to do because clearly what i thought was going to be a six a 12 month project you finished so what do you want to do and i was wow. like i don't know like, I don't know. I just want to keep learning. I was like, I don't want to get to a point where I'm, I'm in a position where I'm no longer able to learn. Right. Right. And she said, well, I don't think voiceover IP is for you because at some point she was like, you're going to know everything. Mm. And so she talked to some of her counterparts and um, within the networking team and they moved me over to network security. So they said that is the only place where I was forced to learn all of the time. And so I went to the, so they lowered a position. Um, there was a, a senior team lead that was leaving um, the company. And he actually recommended that instead of hiring someone who was at his same level at the same salary, to move the position to a college hire position, lower the salary and the rank, so that I can actually get in. Mm -hmm. And he said, I will only sign off to allow this to happen if I get to choose my replacement. Oh, wow. wow. And so that was the first time that I actually saw any African-Americans in a power position execute power. Wow. Like that was, that was the first time that I actually seen, saw that. We also had, you know, at Freddie Mac at the time, we had a CTO named Milton Moore, who he's, um, I think he passed around 2008 or 2009. But Milton was this tall, loud African-American man who was deaf. Wow. And he was the chief technology officer of the company. Nice. And was you know, wasn't there, literally, he, he was not there as a pity position. He earned everything that he got, he executed. The reason why Freddie Mac at the time was actually going and hiring at HBCUs is because he said that the college hire program would not go on under him 
if they did not recruit from HBCUs. I'm not mad at it. I mean, you know, you know the numbers. Yeah. So if he recognized it back then. Yeah. And so, I mean, that and he left he left a lasting impression on me. So, you know, I never had uh, I never had women mentors or saw like black women leaders when I was coming up. Right. But I did see Milton Moore and I did see Roy and Myatt and I did see Irena Kears and that, you know, I did see those people who were using their position to impact change in the way that they had. Like they were like, okay, well, I have this much, someone else is going to carry it the rest of the way. Right. And which is, I think it's very, it's smart. Um, it's uh, strategic and and it has it had it had legs because yeah. you know so yeah it did and and i think that's where we need to be right and you know we as 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 people of color we really have to be more strategic and use the power that we have we don't have to have everything on the back we don't have to have all of the power pass the baton let's go right yeah. um if we if we can impact um, if we can impact and get it to mile marker five, let someone else take it to mile marker 10. You know, maybe with if us passing the baton, we're going to get to mile marker 10 as well. But I, I, I think that is what, you know, Milton Moore did for Freddie Mac at that time. Right. We need, we, so, but that's part of the, um, a part of this bigger conversation that we need to have is that there need to be more people of color, more women of color in leadership positions who can do what he did. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like, you, you gotta, you get, you get this position, you get this authority, you get this, um, whatever we're going to call it in terms of you, you have this, this, uh, platform where you can, you can do, you can do what you want in terms of how how can we bring more diversity to this company? People who look like me, people who are brown or Asian and or, or you know Latina, um, how can we get more? Because it's again, it's it's not it's not a matter of of skill. Right. It's a matter of we need people people to see it, you know, to see it as a as a problem or an issue that need to be solved, yeah. or as something they need to be doing. You know, just you know, just, this is the right thing to, that we need to be doing. So, what program, what initiative do I need to put in place so that um, I can see more of my brothers and sisters in this place? Because again, it's not a matter of skill. Yeah, it's a matter of opportunity. And, matter he, of opportunity. and he did that. So what are you, so where are you now? What, what are you doing? Yeah, so I, so right now I am at Equifax um, Incorporated and I am the information security officer for uh, USIS within, and I support the chief revenue office as well as product security, I mean product delivery within USIS. So that is, that says a lot, but ultimately um, the largest the largest business within the company I actually support from a security perspective. Um, so I have um, hands in global security technology as well as business to ensure that technology is actually securing the business. We are following our compliance controls as well as understanding what the business needs are, the drivers behind that and ensuring working with legal to ensure that we are actually 
um, meeting our obligations. So that's what I'm doing now. It's a completely <laughs> different role from what I'm used to. So I'm highly technical. I consider myself highly technical. Technology is easy to me. Um, the, the part that I'm struggling, this is um, that I struggled with previously, that I'm really good at now is really working with business partners and understanding um, legal, uh, what the legal ramifications are between certain things and how we actually move in business and how that translates to technology, right? A lot of technical people don't really understand how their role may impact the company. Right. I agree with that. What they're doing and what the lack of what they're doing, like what they're not doing, that they're supposed to do, how that may impact the overall growth and, um, and success of the company. So that's where I, I sit right now to ensure that everything end to end is success from, um, from the security perspective. That's, it's a super interesting job. And it's like all of these pieces, I could see where you are learning every day in yeah. this, in this position. So, um, so I have a question and um, call me a novice, okay. but, but since I have you here, I'm going to take full advantage. So the idea um, of internet security or cybersecurity has, has gotten a lot of play in mm -hmm. the past couple of years. Um, Cause you know, we've seen these big breaches happen Equifax for a couple of years ago and um, there was been some more and you know, the, like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, some other places have had these big breaches um, in their system. And so for folks who, don't get it or don't, you know, like they think they know, but maybe they don't. Can you explain what cybersecurity is and what that, what that looks like for a corporation in simplified terms? Right. No problem. I will try. Um, cybersecurity is one of those terms that we used to kind of, if you want to equate it, we used to put technology in the same boat where someone said, Hey, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I do technology or I do IT, mm -hmm. right? So now we say, what do you do for a living? I do cybersecurity. It means a lot of things, mm -hmm. right? There's a huge domain. There are eight domains within cybersecurity. It's huge. It could be application security where you're actually securing code. It could be compliance. It can be fraud. It can be looking at, you know, um, data and packets and how those things transverse. Uh, it can also be, um, testing and trying to break in what we call white hat testing and ethical hacking. Mm -hmm. um, it can be, you know, it, it, there's different, there's so many different aspects to cybersecurity. And so a lot of times people say, oh, I want to break into cybersecurity. And my question to them is, what are you good at? Mm -hmm. Right? And what drives you? Because this is a grueling 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 career however if you don't love what you do and you don't understand if you don't have a why behind what you do you're going to get burned out mm -hmm. because you're always chasing something right so there's kind of within the cyber community there is a saying you know there's two types of companies in the world there's ones that has gotten breached and then they're ones that don't know it yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ooh, okay, let me sit. 
sit in that for a minute. This I gotta I gotta wow, that's that's pretty first that's impressive but scary all at the same time. Yeah, it is. And you think about it. So I so I'm I'm all of you. If you Google me, you'll find my social media stuff. Like it's no big deal, right? A lot of cyber people are like, oh, you won't find me on social media. Listen, I was involved in a Yahoo breach. When Yahoo got breached, they got all my stuff. I don't know who David Mara is, but he, he's the one that's using my stuff, right? I switched over, still have a Yahoo account. It's secure, but my data's out there. I Google myself, I find all kind of stuff, right? My address, my name, my phone number, you know, I suppose with relatives that I don't know anything about. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, maybe some uncles and some aunts out there. Yeah, but maybe I don't know. I don't even know who these people are. I'm very yeah. interested to find out who they are though, because I need them to start calling my phone looking for them. I but, mean, you know. But if you think about it, right, there are certain aspects of your data out there. We're giving our data away on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't answer questions or do those copy paste survey questions on Facebook where it's like, hey, you know, all you married couples, tell how much you love your, your spouse, post your, what's his favorite color, what's his favorite birth? I don't do any of that because that is also information. We have to think about cloud, cloud data, that data is being harnessed. And if someone gets that information, that information is now public. Mm. Okay. So we're putting all of our information out. We're afraid that our information may get breached, but your information is already out there. Hmm. It's I, up to us really to secure that, right? So, so we have to think about that. Zoom got breached uh, um, a few weeks ago. Right. Right. First thing that I did, I was like, "Oh, I need to go change my password, and I need to download this this um, authenticator app." Oh, wait, what? other passwords match that email address oh let me go change all those too what did i use that email address for oh no so now i have to have another password for this for this account and have, like literally it was it was a spiral of impact right because you have to think about it if they have one set of information because of the way that we're harnessing data and big data right now that can literally link to multiple data points wow wow i don't think i thought of it that way so now you you have me like at when we finish i'm i gotta go back and change some i gotta go back and change some stuff yeah um wow that's 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 incredible um but i'm glad that we have you out here who are you know who are willing to have this conversation with us and and as you know there's not a lot of folks who look like you that we know of that's doing this yeah. work and we're looking to change that right <laughs> and that is something that we're definitely looking to change that's the whole point of augustus redefine so augustus redefine is an organization that i started uh, for black women in leadership within cybersecurity, and it's not necessarily only for leaders within cybersecurity, but it's for those who aspire to be leaders as well so that we can actually build each other up. And it's based around self-awareness and peer mentoring. We can build each other up so we can actually be 
um, everything that we need and the strength that we need so that we can go out there and we can pull others up with us. Right. right. So it's kind of like one of those every I had at one point I had 26 mentees. Wow. 26. You tell me how you're gonna stand and be there for 26 people. You can figure that out. Right. I, I all more power to you. But I had 26 mentees, and when I looked at everyone who was around me and what they needed from me. The reason I had 26 mentees was not because they they liked my personality or they just wanted, they literally, I was their mentor because they did not have any other women in cybersecurity who was willing to talk to them and who was willing to help them along. Yeah. And I said, you know, that's, that's funny because all of my friends and everybody who I talk to on a regular basis they're willing to do that. The problem is nobody knew them. Nobody right. knew that they were willing to do it. And because they were always working, they and they weren't out in public. They weren't, you know, they were they were just a picture. Right? Mm. So no one so no one knew. So the premise is, you know, people used to call me, well they still call me a unicorn. Um and so Initially, when people started calling me a unicorn, I got upset about being a, you know, people calling me a unicorn. But, um, but I went to, I went to a, a show and I can't, I can't remember her mask, her full name, but I think her name is like uh, Bots. Uh, it's a lady. She's like the, the chief strategist or something with Essence. Um, oh, I think I know her. I'm, it, it, if I, if it comes to me, I'll, I'll yeah. see. Yeah, but mm -hmm. she, um, I was, I was in the front of the, I was at the front of the stage, a clear, clear path to her, and she said, everybody calls me a unicorn, and I don't know why they call me a unicorn. She's like, how many people here have been called unicorns? And everybody at my table pointed and be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody was like, her, her. <laughs> <laughs> She was like, yes, yeah, sis. She was like, so you understand people call you a unicorn? And I rolled my eyes and I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. And she said, don't be mad about it. She was like, let's just build an army. And I looked and I said, huh, we're building an army of unicorns. Love it. Got it. Let's go. Yeah. Army of unicorns. And so that's what I set out to do with Augustus Redefined we are building an army of unicorns so that we can actually continue to grow. And it's women who love what they do and they love seeing other, other women strive. Love it. Love it. And it's so funny that you're talking about this conversation about um, the unicorn, our black unicorn. Had it, mm -hmm. had it, had the same reaction. Like, I don't want to be a unicorn. I just, I don't right. get it. And I mean, with staunch, about it um, until mm -hmm. until a good friend of mine um, <clears throat> basically pointed out that yes, you are indeed a unicorn, um, but it's a good thing. Yeah. Because um, again, it's, you know somebody has somebody has to be the first. Somebody has to be has to be the one to sort of take charge of this thing and move it forward. So mm -hmm. that makes you a unicorn. I mean, a they're unique. They're mythical. They have a larger than life sort of 
you know, pe- who doesn't get happy to see a unicorn, right? So when right. she starts, ex- you know, describing that to me in that way, it was like, oh, right. So why wouldn't I want to be a unicorn in this space? So, I, you know, it's like, yes, I want you to see me coming. I want you to be amazed <laughs> and thrilled to see me um, because I'm coming with, I'm coming with stuff and, and I'm not coming by myself. Yeah. So, and I always say, you know, as I was actually kind of, you know, starting up and, and doing research around unicorns and, and what a, what a, what a herd of unicorns is called. And a herd of unicorn, a herd of unicorns is called blessings. <gasps> Literally, shut yeah. up! I did not know that. Yes, I love it. I a herd love of it. unicorns is called blessings. So literally, we are impacting so many because we are building herds and herds of unicorns, right? Um, people, people come to me and they say, "Hey, Octavia, I want you to speak at this event." If I can't do it, or if I don't feel comfortable about the, the subject matter, I call one of the uniforms. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, great opportunity. And I told, I told whoever asked me, do not let my spot go. If you want me, I have someone better. Mm-hmm. Let me get one of these uniforms and they're gonna actually take my place. And they're gonna, they're like, well, do you want me to say your name? Nope, it's all them, let them go. Yes, love it. And that's and that's a part of what we what we all what we're all trying to do. Yeah. Wow, that is amazing. So do you mind telling me how many how many folks you have or how many unicorns are in the herd? Yeah. So there's a lot of unicorns in the herd. So in the Atlanta area so far we have about forty four. Um in the Atlanta area. After COVID hit, honestly, we started expanding and we have so many more and I have lost count. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's a good thing. I've lost count. Um, but honestly, it's not a lot. It's, it's, it's not a lot, right? So we have 144 followers currently um, that are Black women in some type of cybersecurity um, profession. That's good. Well, that's good. That's not good enough. It's kind of like it's kind of like the Forbes list that just came out, right? Oh, we're at an all-time high of you know of women CEOs on the Fortune 500. Yeah, all-time high of 37, and last year was 33. Right. right? Out of out of 500. Out of yeah. Right. So right. so I mean yeah, good, but we're not there yet. We're coming. Right. So, and but you have to start somewhere, and I'm I'm really, really, really excited for the way that the women have supported each other. But um, I think that's good. I mean, so because of we, you know, we we do similar work, um, mm-hmm. and have and have um, the same passion, I believe. So I think though, because we are so small, so sometimes I think we have to dig, and we have to be persistent and consistent. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, as long as we are out here continuing to do the work, um, I think we'll get them. I think our, our herd will, our blessings will continue to grow. Um, and I think that's the, for me, that's the attitude I have to have because this is our work. It's hard. You know, it, it just is. I have two questions, um, for you. Sure. One, um, what's the greatest lesson 
you've learned so far as a minority woman in STEM? The greatest lesson. Hmm, it's hard to pick which one. Um, I, I think the greatest lesson for career growth mm -hmm. is take the credit. Love it. Take the credit. We know no, no man builds alone. We know that. But stop sharing your credit. Take the credit. Love it. I <laughs> just <laughs> I have nothing else. Period, <laughs> point, and blank, right? Uh, love it. Take the credit. All right, last, last question. Sure. Um, if you could revisit your younger self, what advice would you give her and why? I think I probably would say pay attention to the signs. Um, when I was younger, you know, we all we all have that innate like something innate in us where when we were younger we were already doing the things that we are are destined to do right um when we become adults we try to conform mm. to what we think society wants us to do and a lot of times we don't necessarily look at those things that we were doing as children as signs of our greatness and what we are supposed to be doing to impact this world. Wow, love it. And so I would just say, I would say pay attention to the signs and don't fight against them, right? You're, we're all here for a purpose. And because we're here for a purpose, you're, you're gonna get the purpose. Are you gonna do your purpose in life or are you gonna wait to death your purpose to be fulfilled. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and we can't we can't wait for that. I think right. back to you when you were talking about tearing up your toys and you build a, a toy car um, mm -hmm. from your mother's van. Um, the funny story is is that my brother and sister and I did the same thing, but with a lamp. <laughs> with a lamp. <laughs> with a lamp. Oh. oh okay. Yeah. How yeah. Did that so, you know, the funny thing is, is that it was maybe about a year ago before my mother realized that we had, we had glued the lamp back together oh, with like, with it was like crazy, it was crazy glue. Yeah, it was three of us. So we had all the little pieces and there was this one little piece, of course, at the bottom where the cord, you know, was mm -hmm. that she just, she never saw. So that was the only piece that we couldn't, we couldn't find. She was like, what do you mean? He was like, yeah, we, we glued that lamp back together with crazy glue. And she was like, you have got to be kidding. Cause that's I, hilarious. she's like, she's, she's wanting to punish us. And we're all like, mom, we're, we're real grown. grown. We're, we're grown, we're, super grown. Real, real grown. <laughs> but yeah, so when you were telling that story, I was like, that I, t I promise you, we, I know that struggle. <laughs> And I think people don't realize that's the beginning of their STEM stories. Yeah. Like, that is literally, my son does things right now. My son was putting together puzzles when he was 16 months old. Right. Wow. And they were like, oh, what is your son going to do? I was like, he's probably going to be somebody's, you know, some type of engineer, but I don't think he's going to be working at a company. Like my son, literally, he put together his, um, his vision board. He literally built a robot the spade like he wants to be a paleontologist 
that builds a satellite in space that scans the entire Earth to find all the rest of the animals. <gasps> oh my God, that's a great idea. <laughs> that's, like, that's a great idea. Oh man, well. I'm still yeah. trying to figure out why he hasn't perfected teleportation yet, so I can actually get a job somewhere else. At, listen, <laughs> when he does, first tell him to patent that and yeah. then and then I make sure live, I want to live on an island and be able to work wherever I want. And I need him to tell I need him to figure out the teleportation stuff. It, I promise you, everybody would they would that would go for top dollar. He'd be he'd be like richer than Bill Gates and all of those. So we yeah. I'm with let's just wait for he got you. He got you. Encouragement and support. It's like, you know. <laughs> you you got you listen, that's what we gotta do. So where can people find you if they're looking for you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Twitter is Pretty Nerd Guile. So P R E T T Y N E R D G Y A L. Pretty Nerd Guile. And Instagram is Pretty underscore Nerd underscore Guile. And they can find me on Facebook, although probably won't. I don't know. We'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> definitely you can find me on LinkedIn at Octavia N. Howell. Awesome. Well, great. It was, I enjoyed this conversation so much. I knew I would. Um, but um, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to speak to me and to the Stimming and Stilettos audience today. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was fun. So, uh, you guys, uh, it's always good to, to uh, come before you each time. And until we meet again, you guys take care of yourselves. Hi, everybody. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minim minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So... Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Stimming in Stilettos. I sincerely hope that you learned something new from our guest today. Remember that you can listen to Stimming in Stilettos anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow us on Facebook at Stimming and Stilettos. You can find Dr. Tasha on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Tasha 11, Instagram at Dr. Tasha. So until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stimming and Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stimming in Stilettos.